0: Steve Wiss here, joined by Jonathan for and, uh, well, a bit belated on our behalf, but uh, this is going to be our season review podcast from Norway and S- uh, Sweden, respectively. Uh, I guess the first thing to say to you, Jonathan, is Happy New Year.
1: Where's your sausage rolls? Where's your sausage rolls? Where's your sausage rolls?
0: Mm, sausage rolls?
1: Happy New Year to all. In my fridge. Happy New Year to Meatman Meat Soccer, Just giving you a, a little hymn there uh, in tribute to your sausage rolls. I know you're a big fan of over Christmas. Uh, how have you been?
0: I you are on about those vegan sausage rolls for a moment there, Jonathan, um, which uh, will be nowhere near my fridge. I can tell you that one. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm going very well, thank you, uh, my friend. Um, you know, busy Christmas and uh, a new year. Always looking ahead, um, you know, see what's in store for us, and uh, obviously excited uh, for 2019.
1: Yeah, happy new year to all listeners. Uh, we did promise we we're going to do a season review, and we are now going to do that season review. So, wishing all of you a happy 2019, and um, we're going to quickly review the season and look ahead as well in terms of the best players that we've we thought um, performed over the, over the season. We're going to pick our best players of the year. We're going to look at the best teams. We're going to look at the teams who went down uh, in both leagues. So, strap yourself in for a bumper episode, and we're ready to go out with Steve. I'm going to start. We flipped a coin. Uh, we looked at the stats recently, and uh, Norway listeners, you're 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 outdoing the Swedes at the moment. So we're going to start with the Norwegian league. Um, and so the first question I have to you, Steve, is Rosenborg obviously won the league. Now that's the fourth season in a the row they've won it: 2015, 16, 17, 18. Can anybody stop them? And what were the keys to their title success?
0: Well, you know what? I look at the points tally um, to finish the season with Rosenborg, 64, Molde, 59, Bran, uh, 58. And I, I'm actually scratching my head, wondering how the hell Rosenborg won this title by five points because I wouldn't say it was a vintage year from them at all. Um, you know, some in, in recent other years, you've, you you really would consider them head and shoulders above the opposition. But in this particular campaign, I don't think that was the case at all Um so it's remarkable, really, that they won it with 64. Uh, sorry, by five clear points. Both Bran and Mulder had their moments. Certainly, Bran had a, a big lead at one point in the league. Um, did they blow it? You could say they blew it, maybe. It's a massive chance for, for someone to win the title this year. You don't get many opportunities to take down big dogs like Rosenborg very often. It's a bit like Malmo in the Swedish league. You don't get too many opportunities, and AIK did it this year. This was a chance for, for someone to step up, John, and uh, they didn't take it, I'm afraid.
1: Yeah, and one of the things that interests me about the league this season, funnily enough, is that Rosenborg won the title with pretty much an interim manager for a vast proportion of the season. What was the case there, Steve? I mean, how did you reflect on the old manager? And also, they've recently uh, hired a new manager, haven't they?
0: The old manager, Inge Ingebrigtsen, did a good job. Uh, certainly domestically, you couldn't really fault him think the problem was in Europe. He hadn't really taken them as far as they wanted him to, and it looked like they were getting stale mid-season. Everything seemed to be going wrong for Rosenborg this year. So many things went against them. They sacked the manager midway through the years. I've got a great list here of some key players that missed matches, John. Uh, Anders Kondradsen missed 13 games. Samuel Adigbenro Addingben- Samuel missed 22 matches. Nicholas Bentner missed 8. Um, well, he wasn't in jail for those, but... Uh, <laughs> He was injured. Uh, Tronson missed six. New signing Jabali missed five of his 12 potential. Vili uh, Armson missed half the season. Paul Andre Helland missed 10 games, which is probably a good return for him. He usually misses more. So they missed so many key players. Um, it's remarkable, really, that they managed to, to get the job done. So many things went against them. But um, the other thing was, after 14 rounds, Bran were unbeaten. They only conceded five goals. They had a seven-point lead in the table. And you've got to wonder how the hell they ended up finishing so far behind them. Um, but in actual fact, Rosenborg retook the league after 20 rounds. So, And they never looked back, to look back after that. And um, there's a few key games I'm going to talk about in a minute. But as I say, so many things went against them. But uh, in terms of the interim manager, Remy Coolen. I wasn't that impressed with him. I don't think anyone really was. It was the players that did it. It's the players themselves that turned things around. I don't give much credit to the interim manager at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was remarkable they managed to get it done, really. Uh, it just shows you more of well, the weaknesses of the opposition.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned the key players. Uh, we're looking, going to look at your team of the year shortly, and you've got three Rosenborg players in there. So we'll come to that shortly. <clears throat> in the last 10 seasons, Rosenborg have won the league now six times out of 10. And the only two teams to stop them in that time have been Strums in 2013 and Mulder on three occasions. Of course, in the last podcast, we talked about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, who's made a flying start at Manchester United, by the way, and you can still listen to that episode on our YouTube channel or um, go through the Twitter at Nordic FootPod. Uh But Steve, in terms of Rosenborg, and you know, are they going to make it six out of 10 in the next 10 years looking ahead now in 2019? Um, is anyone going to be able to challenge them maybe? Who is the closest challenger And if we look at the table, obviously, you know, the table has a certain story, but what's the story maybe behind the scenes as well? Is there any teams maybe on the up that could challenge them?
0: Yeah, I think if you said the next 10 years, you would expect Rosenborg to probably win six or seven titles, maybe even more. Just the way it goes in Norway. They're the biggest club by a million miles. Um, They've got uh, the most financial resources out of everyone, the biggest pull factor. Uh, It's as simple as that, really. The other two teams that would, Two or three teams that would stand out have got the clout to perhaps do something. Would be Molde-Bran, uh Valerenga, maybe strum's good. Sir. Um, you know, it's about stringing together a full campaign. But I mean, I, I tell you where I think they won the league this year, uh, John. I've looked at the record. All three teams, the top three, their records against uh, fellow top six opposition. And Rosenborg's record is superb. Wouldn't they played ten times? Uh, seven wins two draws and just one defeat compare that to bran against the top six three wins two draws five defeats and um it was, they had branded superbly against the rest of the league they had a 14-5-1 record against the rest of the league below the top six but they couldn't do it against the you know the biggie in, in the big matches um and that's where Rosenborg had a big advantage uh, molder for that matter had a, also had a really good record in 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 the top six clashes um, so all Brown had to do, really, was just you know, be a bit more competitive in those games. And specifically, what the two matches that rocked their season was losing 4-0 at home to Mulder. And then they lost 5-1 away at Mulder in the space of just three or four weeks, I think, those two matches occurred. And I don't think they ever recovered from losing those games. You know, blame Erling Brat Harland for absolutely ruining their season, really. Um, but those two losses were absolutely massive for them. It stuck. You know, went through that heart like a dagger. And the other final factor, I just want to make about Bran. They sold uh, a midfielder, defensive midfielder, Silvett Helter Nielsen, uh, midway through the season. They averaged 2.27 points per game with him in the team. I saw a few people mention at the time when he left that he was going to be missed. A bit of an underrated player, if you know what I mean. And those prophecies came true. They they never replaced him properly. Sometimes these players in the midfield who don't have eye-catching statistics just do that job, the dirty work, you know, like Angelo Kante has done at times. And he was massively missed. Had they kept him, would they have won the league? Who knows? But they definitely, definitely missed him.
1: Fascinating stuff. And now, you know, looking back to your season previews, we've got to sort of uh, call you out maybe slightly on this one because a team that you actually tipped to do very well in the pre-season was Drum's um, looking at the table though, they've 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 not been good at all really, have they? They just narrowly avoided relegation. Um, <clears throat> what was your prognosis about them? Apart from that, you pretty much were were spot on in terms of the top three. Your, your top four was, was Rosenbrill, Strumgotte, Moldo and Bran, and obviously you've got three of those, but what happened to Strum's
0: <laughs> I'm asking the same question. I don't really know what happened to them because it's not like they had a plethora of injuries like say Monaco are having in League One at the minute with Thierry Henry. Most of the squad stayed fit. Um They obviously had manager problems. They changed their manager halfway through the year. They had the third highest scorer in the league in Marcus Pedersen. So, you know, in terms of matches, I just don't know how they were. Remember, they were one goal away in the last minute from being in the playoff match. They could have been relegated. They could have been relegated. It's just one of those things. Um I can't really pinpoint exactly what the problem was. In matches, they seem to just you know teams took their chances against them while they missed opportunities the mood was poor tactics were very poor from whoever was managing them so yeah i was way off with them um and them along with ranheim and and Christianson, they were the the three teams that i was massively wrong with really
1: yeah and obviously away from that uh, the big news was obviously nicholas bentner ending up in, in prison um which is on a bit of a maybe a heavier note slightly or maybe a lighter note for some some listeners who might find that quite amusing um but yeah, we're going to look at your team of the season now. We're going to get stuck into this one. I know you've put a lot of thought into this.
0: Mm.
1: I'm going to read out the names if that's possible. Or do you want me to, do you want to read them out yourself? Or should we start with that?
0: Let's do it bit by bit and build it up.
1: Okay. In goal.
0: Well, I've gone with Andre Hansen from Rosenborg. It's an obvious pick. Um, but he continues to be the class act. Uh, if you compare him to the keepers in the top, Two or three, he has more clean sheets than everyone anyone else. All right, that's also to do with a great defence in front of him. But he just seems to make those big saves when it really matters. You know, when it's when they need to hang on to win one nil, he's always there to make that big stop. He's also kept them in games um, to keep it a draw or to just keep them one nil down. And uh, he's a bit of an underrated keeper, really. But he is the obvious pick for me this year. There were two or three others that kind of. Uh, have to be mentioned, but uh, yeah, Andre Hansen in goal for me.
1: And then let's look at the defense. Uh, we'll pick for you've gone for a 4 4 2 information here. Uh, and who have you got a left back?
0: Uh, yeah, well, I'm actually I'll go through the whole defense actually. Left back, burger Melling, uh, right back, uh, Tayo Tanist, uh, the two center backs, Torre Reginiuson and Vito Vermgor. Uh, just before I talk about the defense, just a couple of other honorable mentions in goal. Sean McDermott from Christiansund had a very good year. Uh, made a ton of saves, really. And Paul-Christian uh, uh, Bratweit at Horgersund, a keeper I've always liked. I had him in my want to watch uh, this season, and he's obviously been watched by enough clubs because he's moved to your garden now, uh, and so he's over to your league in 2019, John.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to, to, to seeing him.
0: So, yeah, the defence. Uh, back Berger Bergen-Melling at uh, Rosenborg. Just, again, really obvious pick. I just don't see anyone else close to him in this position. Um, He's sort of a bloke who could probably leave this league now, really, and and thrive somewhere else, even. But his defending's been good. He's got great physical attributes, uh, but his technique's improved as well. He actually had eight assists this year, which, you know, is great, really, isn't it, from a left-back position. He's often overlapping, putting in some great crosses and, um, yeah, just really highly yeah, for me, the best left-back left in the league this year, um, hands down, really. Uh, right-back was a much tougher one to to do. I would say it's not the greatest, strongest spot in the league. Went for Taijo, Tannis at Bran. Um, mostly the opposite from Melling, really. Tannis is more a defensive sort of player. Rock-solid, hard to get past. Doesn't contribute much offensively, but that's partly to do with Bran's tactics. Uh, solid defender. The only other right-back I could, could consider, really, was the old man Espen Rude from Odd who uh, had a really good second half of the year. He seemed to pop up uh, and score goals from all sorts of places. But for the whole year combined, I think, yeah, at right back. And then the centre-backs, Torre and at Rosenborg, for me, the best centre-back in the league. Time and time again for years, he's just just rock solid. You know, the ultimate tough guy at the back that you want. And he sometimes pops up with the odd goal going forward as well. Vito vermgort Brown. I think for the first 15, first 14 matches, he was brilliant he just led that team and that's why they were so good defensively in that period of time um just you know, no one was getting no one was beating him in the air on the ground or anything and he also was on penalty taking duties in the first half of the season and uh, you know he scored two or three big pressure kicks which got them in, on a great run early on so them uh, definitely slowed down in the second half of the season i'm not sure exactly why but i think overall he deserved to be in the team of the year just for being so brilliant in, in that first half uh, of the campaign. I've got to make one final mention here. Bismarck Acosta, his uh, centre-back partner at Bran, uh, was also very, very good, and they missed him for me when he got injured in a uh, few games towards the end of the campaign. But overall, Gore just about
1: edged him. Good stuff. Moving on to the midfield, you've got two Mulder players in there, and uh, one from Haugersson, one from Salzburg.
0: Yeah, we'll start with the central midfielders, Christopher Zachariasen at Sarpsborg and Magnus Wolf uh, Ikram, a uh, man you're very familiar with, John. Um, we'll start with uh, Zachariasen, who really is probably too good for the Elite uh, now and uh, probably could move away maybe this winter somewhere or before the season. Again, he's, he's not someone I talked about, Sivet uh, Nielsen earlier. He's not someone who catches the eye with uh, statistics necessarily in terms of goals, attributes, things like that. But um, just controls the midfield i would say he's a box-to-box midfielder really uh or or deep line playmaker whatever you want to call him sort of something like that uh controls the game can make a lot of key passes um and in fact in their europa league run he actually made team of the week uh once which is a fantastic achievement really when you think about it isn't it for a team like for him to get in um the uefa Team of the Week for the Europa League. Um, so yeah, he really caught my eye. And then the Wolf. Well, what can we say about the Wolf? He rebounded brilliantly after the, the nightmare he's had in the last year or two, at uh, you know the problems at Malmo and then at Seattle. But he came back, and the Wolf statistics are unbelievable. Uh, John, you, I mean, you'll be salivating over these statistics from Magnus Wolf Eklund. He only in twelve starts, he had nine assists and scored four goals. I mean, you can't ask for more than that, can you? Just simply sublime, um, from a technical point of view, creative point of view, he was superb.
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Wolf. Uh, we talked about him, haven't we, on a few podcasts this season, and I think Malmo fans will be interested to note that he's uh, performing very well since returning to, to Norway. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you have only got a few players left now. You've got your attackers as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any other players you want to give a special mention to in that midfield or anything you want to highlight? I suppose,
0: I'm, yeah, Frederick Orsonus at Mulder had a good solid year. Could be considered in the ex in the 11, but probably just a few players better than him. Mads Reginison at uh, Ranheim, brother of uh, Torre Reginisson. Um, I mean, Ranheim were just uh overachieving. I mean, I'll talk about them in a minute when I talk about managers of the season, but um, yeah, he was uh, really great in the midfield for, for them. And um, I'm talking from one creative point of view now, the left wing Yermund Jermund Asen, uh Trumsa. Um oh, I was so close to putting him in my team because I really like this player. Um but the problem is it's where does he actually play? He kind of moves around a lot. He's either, you know, attacking midfield, left wing, right wing. But he had some great he was a great assist provider as well this year, 10 assists in just 20 appearances. And when you consider Runo Espio, or their top striker missed the last 12 games, did really well in a team at Tromsa to have that many assists. Great passer of the ball, key passer. So you know, well done to Jermund Aston on a great year. Left wing and right wing was obvious. It had to be uh, David, uh, David Akintola and Ardek uh, Hestad, Hestad from Mulder and Akintola from August. And I mean, you could put the meat on either wing, really. Both have been better on the right, I would say. Um, but yeah, just, it just really combined well in terms of statistics for goals, assists, impact on the game, Akintola especially. Fantastic physical player that can run at defences all day and his skill um, was superb for for, for for that team and Hestad a real great versatile player Um, uh, you know on the, uh, those two were the standouts playing out wide in the league I would say this year
1: and Moving on to the strikers I think it's fairly self-explanatory one of them isn't it considering the um, achievements he's had at, uh, at such a young age um, but I won't give it away I'll let you <laughs> uh, well, like...
0: Erling Bratt Highland at Mulder and Frank Bolly at Starbeck um basically we'll talk about i mean you got marcus Pedersen who scored 14 goals for strums Goods in just 18 appearances but he can't make this team because i felt he actually should have scored more goals and he wasn't as influential as he could have been um erling Braut harland i mean he's moved to salzburg now we all know about that but i mean this is a guy who i didn't know the striker had less minutes per goal than him uh you've got to remember he didn't actually start that many games compared to the rest of them. Um, just 17 starts this year, 12 goals in those. And it was the type of goals that he got. I mean, he, he completely tore Bran apart from uh, in those two games I mentioned before. And Frank Bolle, I mean, amazingly, um, as soon as the new coach at Starbeck moved into centre-forward role halfway through the season, he actually scored um, 15 goals in his last 16 games. I mean, uh, can you believe that? I mean, it's unbelievable. If he'd done that the whole season, he would have scored 30 goals, which would be unheard of in this league. So Frank Bolly uh, had to make the team. Uh, I just want to mention someone actually from Sanderfield Rufo, who had a great uh, impact. He came into the team mid-season, uh, seven goals in ten games for them. He caught my eye. Um, I don't know what's going to happen to him in the off-season, but he certainly looked good enough for the elite Assyrian level uh, to score that many goals in such a crap team. Well, when he first came in, they were a crap team, but they were much improved in the last 10 matches the field, to be fair um, fair achievement so yeah that's my team of the year um, and uh, yeah 4-4-2 some good players in there I think it would go very nicely indeed
1: Good stuff Steve as always and yeah just reading actually that's Frank Bolly. there has been rumours uh, linking him with uh, teams in Austria I believe Austria-Vienna have been linked to him uh, so this looks like a good pick there you've got so just to re- recap uh, Andrew Hansen in goal Berger Melling Tori Regeniusen Vitor Wormgå, Taijo Tanist. Then in midfield we've got Christopher Zachariason, Magnus Wolf eichram Eric Heistad, David Akintola, Erling Brout Haaland, and Frank Bolly make up your team in a four-four-two. And that's your team.
0: That is the team indeed. Uh, you know, so a few honorable mentions there. But as I say I think those are the standout performers in the year. Uh, I'm sure some people will agree with me, and some others will disagree. But uh, yeah, that's the team that made sense to me.
1: Let's move on to the coach of the year then and uh, some other awards we're going to give out. Um, let's start with that coach of the year because you mentioned Ranheim and I want to also t- you know, touch on the relegation battle if we can slightly. And obviously we've... we've uh, we have tipped Ranheim to go down, didn't we, in the season preview? Yeah. Done extremely well, I think against all expectations, to be honest. I don't think anybody predicted them to do so well. Um, but three team... well. Three teams were there down there at the bottom at the season end. Um, but yeah, let's touch on Ranheim and maybe your coach of the year to begin with.
0: Um, I've got to say, probably, I'm actually giving this as a joint award. Um, uh, Svein Marlin at uh, Ranheim has to be one of them. And the other bloke I'm giving it to is Christian Mickelson at Christiansund. Um, I mean, Ranheim pre season obviously no one expected them to do anything Um, and they for the resources there they've just done brilliantly. Um, I just think that in terms of Arnheim they were a bit of a a surprise package. They surprised a lot of people in the first half of the season and they played with such intensity and drive and fire that obviously it's a shock that they did so well but sometimes is it really that much of a surprise that these promoted teams have a big bounce to them? They were a massive unknown factor so there was a lot of uncertainty surrounding them so if he had said to me pre-season they were going to survive, then it would have been, yeah, surprise. But absolute shock, I'm not entirely sure. Because these I've seen it happen with promoted teams before. They have one really good year. In terms of Christianson, well, this is a team that's absolutely proved me wrong two years in a row now. So I almost have to say this with gritted teeth. Um, but yeah, Christian Mickelson's actually done a really good job at, at that club. And I would probably actually just edge him as my coach of the year. Because... He's, he's developed that team. He's taken the team to a, a higher level. His tactics are great. They seem great, really versatile in matches. And uh, he's got... Uh, he can Situationally, in, in games, he makes some, some interesting moves. Great at home. And also survive losing the top striker in mid-season, Dota Bamba. Been good in the transfer market. So, for me, yeah, Christian Mickelson and uh, Svein Marlin the two best coaches of the year that stand out.
1: Fantastic stuff. And, yeah, I mean, uh, on that subject of Ranheim, they obviously finished in uh, seventh place, which is you a know, fantastic achievement, really, considering the expectations. The two teams that ended up going down were Start and Sandy Fjord. Um What were your thoughts on the, the relegation battle, Steve? I mean, Start, we we there were some tips at the start of the season that they might do quite well, wasn't there? And, and you know, they, they built a sort of squad that looked quite competent. But it seemed to sort of crumble as the season went on. What were the reasons for that?
0: Uh, I think there, I think it was actually a bad thing that expectations were so high in the opposite to to Ranheim. I mean, remember the start of the season? Mark Dempsey was there, and he was great reputation. A lot of people think highly of him, still do. Um, there was a lot of pundits that thought that they were going to be a surprise package, but. They, had a, they got off to it with a victory, didn't they? But then it just went ni- downhill. They made too many de- defensive errors, and it went from there. They brought in Jessel Retdal midway through the season, who can change the approach completely. Defensive sort of team, and it looked like they were going to graft their way to survival. But they just they lost the last four games. Um, it was an exciting relegation battle, though. It was really exciting. Um, you didn't really know what was going to happen until the last kick of the season. Starbeck looked like they were going to survive and then conceded late, last kick of the season. So, they had to go via the playoff uh, match against Arlesund, which they won on aggregate. I think uh, they won it on aggregate 2-1 or 3-1, something like that. Um, So, yeah, I think probably the worst two teams did go down in the end. But, uh, yeah, it was an exciting relegation battle, John, this year there for sure.
1: Yeah, and Starbeck lived to fight another day, just about, by the skin of their teeth. Mm. Unfortunately for uh, Lars Bohina. Uh, yeah, on the subject of Mark Dempsey, he, uh, as he mentioned, he's quite highly rated. He hasn't done too badly for himself because he's now uh, Manchester United uh, at Old Trafford. So um, funny how the flow of the season can go, isn't it? You go from one minute start and not working out to, to back on the United bench. So, uh, yeah, funny there. Um, if we look ahead, Steve, uh, you've picked your, your best players. You've picked the teams that, that stood out for you. If we were looking forward to 2019, is there any kind of um, movements you've seen so far in the the winter or any teams that you look at and you think, keep an eye on them just for next year, preliminary? I mean, it's very early days. Mm. but Is there any team maybe that picked up form or led you to give any kind of optimism? um, Uh, Name drop.
0: I always like the way that Sarpsborg are run as a club. They've done brilliantly there. And um, everyone knows that their Europa League exploits, Um, in the same group as Malmo there. Um, Just to get to a group was fantastic in itself. Um, And they had to kind of sack off the the second half of the season to focus on the Europa League. So kind of forget about their final finishing position. They're a really well-run club. They they do sell players, but they bring in some fantastic additions. I just feel if they could have a year where they manage to keep all their talent together, stay injury-free with no other distractions and actually get off to a fast start... They could be one of these sort of teams that surprises everyone, a bit like maybe how Norshipping did last year in, in Sweden. So, yeah, I say keep your eye on Sarpsborg, but really the title probably only going to go to Rosenborg or, or Molder, I think, in 2019. I think Braun have kind of shot their load from uh, 2018, um, and I could see them dropping down a few places. But it's very early doors, there's a long, long way to go in the transfer window of markets even after the end of january these um, scandinavian teams are still dealing with each other of course and then a lot can change mid season so um yeah i think going forward it's you know not too too many surprises to expect but i suppose the only other dark horse you could consider is if uh, if they find if uh, Ronnie dyler finally gets going there but they just feel like they're, they're not close enough at the moment so probably my dark horse would always be sarpsborg at this point in time
1: Interesting interesting stuff. And yeah, of course, it's hard to predict, isn't it? With Mulder, for example, one of the main challenges last season, very hard to predict how they'll do because we don't know the status of their manager. With Solskjaer doing quite Mm -hmm. well at Manchester United so far. Um, His contract is stated to um, go back to Mulder in May. But, uh, you know, that's that's to be decided, isn't it? I think they've already agreed on a a release clause, a release fee. Were United to sort of sign him permanently. So obviously those discussions have taken place on some level. Uh, and then looking to 2019, we've got two new teams, obviously, to replace Sandy Fjord and Start, And they are Viking and Mjøndalen. Uh Both have gone up. Mjondalen with a capacity in their stadium of 4,000. And Viking, obviously, quite a big club, really, isn't it? The return of Viking, uh, whose manager, former manager, Ian Burcham, we interviewed on on a podcast during this season, too. Um, so it looks like it will be an exciting year in Norway uh, for next season. Is there any... Yeah. Players or teams that you thought massively disappointed, or you know, underperformed or overachieved. Uh, just before we wrap it up, is there any, you know, anyone you I, come out of this disappointed with? I
0: was disappointed in Valladonga, to be honest with you. Um, I think pre-season there was a lot of talk about Ronnie Dial's side making that step up to challenge for the title, but it never materialised. I think they had spells where they played some really nice football, um, but. It's just, there was no consistency with them at all. So, yeah, they disappointed me. Um, and obviously, Strums said so did as well. Just talking about the two teams coming up. V king obviously, a big a big enough club. They deserve to be in the Elite Assyrian. Mjolnar, um, I mean, you talked about that stadium there. Yeah, it's pretty much a shithole. I would expect them to struggle desperately. But, you know, I said that about Ranheim. so... You know, you've got to be open, <laughs> open-minded, haven't you, about these sort of teams. Uh, you can't underestimate anyone, um, but they probably do need to reinforce before the start of the season to be competitive up there.
1: Yeah, and a very nice, warm uh, Nordic football podcast. Welcome to Mjöndal in there from uh, from Steve Wiss. It, it's a it's a shit hole, apparently, uh, according to him, but uh, we will welcome them with open arms next season. Uh, we're looking forward to welcoming their fans and, and discussing the teams. Steve, uh, I think you might have to sort of... Um, say something positive about them on the next show maybe just to just to calm the fans down
0: <laughs> there's, <laughs> With, a there's a few shitholes i mean already <laughs> in, in the elite area to be fair um but uh, you know just telling it how it is really
1: just to end it did you have a sort of a game of the season at all or anything, anything like that stood out for you i mean the brand Rosenborg game that was very key wasn't it to the title race I and mean, we did a match analysis on that um but was there any other thing any other games maybe that stood out for you or was that kind of the you know the key game
0: yeah, uh, I'd mentioned uh, the two Moulder wins against Brand. They were massive. The other one that stood out to me was actually Valerenga against uh, Rosenborg. It was ended three-two to Rosenborg. It was just a fantastic game of football. It was one of the few games where Valerenga really were right on it, playing the Ronnie deal away. They really took the laid the gauntlet down to Rosenborg in this game. They deserved something out of it, but Rosenborg won it with the last kick of the match. I remember it was from a corner. Ism Jabali fired home a great volley. Had that not gone in, Brown would have retaken really the lead in the title. This was round 22. It felt like a massive goal. But, yeah, it was a memorable match because it was so end-to-end and, um, you know, great uh, technique on show. Uh, quality levels were high. And it was a pulsating encounter which you could not keep your eye off it. And, obviously, a match when it ends as dramatically as that really stands out in the memory.
1: Fantastic stuff. And that's the wrap for Norway this season, the elite Serien. Anyone who's uh, been following it, we'd love to hear your opinions. Um, you can tweet us at Nordic Pod and give us a follow there as well or give us a like on Facebook, uh, Nordic Football Podcast. And don't forget, obviously, if you're listening to this on iTunes, please do uh, give us a review, give us some positivity, give us some feedback. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, and that wraps it up for the 2018 season in Norway. Coming up after the break, we're going to be talking about Sweden now. We're going to move on to the old Svenskan. And wrap up that title battle and the rest of the activities in the Ausfeldt Scan 2018. So stay with us.
0: Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. Um, okay, that's Norway out of the way. Um, now let's do the Swedish review. Uh, John, uh, you're the expert here. And well, let's can of start with the title battle. We talked about the title battle plenty throughout the whole season, but uh, AIK in the end came out on top. It looked like they were going to be cruising it. In the end, they had to do it on the last game of the season, didn't they? But uh, your thoughts on this title battle overall?
1: Yeah, I think it was one of the most uh, hotly contested title, title races in some years uh, in Sweden. Um, went down to the last day, as you mentioned. It didn't seem like it would be that way uh, and from, you know, with five, six games to go. Uh, AIK looked like they were walking it. And then having uh, overtaken Hammerby, who started the season so well. But uh, Shopping came and, and put together an incredible run of form. Uh, won, I think, six, seven games in a row. Uh, I would not go away took it to the last day of the season, but ultimately AIK went to Kalmar needing to, to get a result and they got that result fairly uh, comfortably in the end and won their first league title in a decade. Uh, it's a sixth league title in their, in their history and a massive, a massive uh, achievement for Ricard Norling, the manager there. Um, you, know, it's, it's, you know, If you look at the league titles they've won in the last sort of 20 years, it's 1998, 2009, and now 2018, so they're winning, sort of averaging one every 10 years, and their supporters will be absolutely thrilled, really. Um, the funny thing, uh, as we covered the game on, on, on Twitter at the end of the season, the, um, the fans couldn't actually wait to celebrate. They were ha- waiting by the corner flag. Um, with the last kick of the game, there was a corner kick, and all the fans, literally hundreds of fans around the touchline, uh, standing there waiting to invade the pitch. It was like something out of Game of Thrones, to be honest with you. Uh, And as soon as the game ended, they charged onto the field. It was like some sort of battleground. Um, But it was really like memorable scenes, obviously, uh, winning that SM Gould for for all the fans. And to be honest, it was deserved. If you look at it, 16 goals conceded in 30 games is a a fantastic defensive record. They were built on stability uh, and that kind of defensive um, solidity throughout the campaign, really. Uh, A good, solid platform that they built. And then the attacking players just kind of... um, ran away with it to a certain extent. There were some games they were on fire, but the key with ARK is they never really conceded. And if that makes sense, they had such a solid platform, that they just, in games where it wasn't maybe quite working out for them, at least they could hang on to maybe a nil-nil. They only lost one game in the entire campaign, uh, which really sums it up, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, they were superb um, all, all throughout. I mean, as opposed to Norway, where I was saying that Rosenborg, the dominant team in recent years, Weren't at the best this year. Things went against them. But they got away with it and still won the title. In Sweden, Malmo obviously been the standout team in, in recent campaigns. And they were the pre-season favourites. Things didn't go well for them this year. They didn't get away with it, with it did they, John,
1: Malmo? No, and their, their problems were early season, to be honest. Um, They just didn't get out of the blocks flying at all. I think they made some mistakes in the transfer market. I think they... I wouldn't say they got complacent, but they just they had the wrong blend, really. Uh, for some reason, they just didn't quite, you know, m- m- gel together those the signings. And they let some players go, uh, some key players I felt go, not only key players, but key characters in the dressing them um, that left kind of more experienced heads. The likes of Magnus wolf for example, is a perfect example of that. Uh, Yosemar Yotin, who left over the years, they lost some defenders. Um, forwards, obviously, Sabiki left. I just think that they, they kind of didn't really quite get that blend. If you look at their, their early season form, was honestly awful. Uh, there was one period where they lost four out of five games, which for a team that's you know, used to winning titles was unacceptable and, and did obviously lead to their manager uh, ending up being sacked. Uh, Uwe Rosler then came in. Um, obviously, they'd lost three in a row at that point. And he steadied the ship, to be honest. Uh, did really well. I think they only lost one game under his tenure in the league um, at North Shopping. Around the sort of September time. And at one point, it looked like they maybe sort of could rescue themselves in the title race. Uh, They won. I remember. They won four games in a row at one point.
0: I remember Uh, seeing that. Yeah, I do remember seeing that mid season where I was like, you know what? They're the team that have won it before. They're going to, other teams up there are going to blow it, be shit scared, don't know how to win a title. I thought, here they're coming back here. But AIK, to their credit, just were unmoved.
1: Um, well, they um, just run out of steam in the end. I mean, they 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 stuttered. It was like a sort of a, a Ferrari uh, on a, on a motorway, at 100 miles an hour, and then you run into a rabbit, really. And and you know that sort of messed the tire up a little bit. The no shopping defeat. Uh, then they had two draws consecutively uh, against Gissons, fell at home and hacking away. And I think that you know that run there, dropping sort of um, you know what is this, it's, you know, seven points, um, really was was ki- killer for their for their title aspirations. They managed to sneak into Europe on the last day of the season, beating Elfsburg, uh, and obviously pipping Hammerby on goal difference to, to Europa League. And obviously the biggest thing for Malmo really is their qualification from the Europa League group stages because they'll now face Chelsea, uh, which will be a, a real memorable occasion for the club um, and sort of deserve I suppose, their, their work over the latter part of the season.
0: It's a fantastic consolation prize really, isn't it? Almost as good as winning a league really to, to actually get through Europa League group stage, uh, I mean, similar to what Ostersunds did last year, of course, so two years in a row. Fantastic for Swedish football. Um, I mean, it was a great, would you say it was a more exciting title battle? Obviously, with Mahmoud not being up there, John, there was more of an element of uncertainty. I mean, let's not forget Hammerby were, were doing really, really well at one point. Norshipping had that great finish. I mean, two teams there we've got to give a big shout out to, haven't we? Because no one really expected it of them.
1: Yeah, I think Hammerby, it's a shame they couldn't hold to the momentum, to be honest. They started so well. And the thing with them is they played such great uh, sort of attacking football. It was very much an emphasis on, on getting forward. Uh, the likes of Jilu and Hamad, the likes of Murma Tankovic, who we'll, we'll touch on a bit later. Um, you know, the strikers as, as well. And they had that blend. I mean, Neto Borgs, who's now just gone to, to Belgium. He spent one season in the league, the the, the Brazilian left back, and uh, now he's moved on to bigger things. One of the biggest transfers out in Hamadis history. But that sums up the impact he had um a very offensive left back which which kind of summed up what they what they tried to do really um hammerby but the problem was i think just to be honest defensively they just maybe didn't quite have it um lost momentum in some big games that they, they really perhaps should have won um and i just think that kind of cost them in the end to be honest that they, they didn't quite have besides from maybe Bjorn polson who i think is a you know is a very very good center back they just didn't quite have that defensive solidity to be able to see out games like Aik uh, away, where they lost one 0 like Jurgen at home, where they lost three one; um, like Ostersunds, where they lost two one at home; Malmo two one away, when they lost those kind of games. Even conceding two against Gifson, where they won three two. It just you know they conceded two against Brommapojk and you know, that kind of thing. The tendency to leak goals just cost them in the end. I think it was a shame that on the last day of the season they couldn't hang on to the um, Europa League spot, uh, drawing three all away to Ostersunds, but but. Ultimately, Steve, they, they they weren't deserving of it. That's what the league table shows at the end of the day, isn't it?
0: It certainly does. Uh, so, well, let's get on to the real meat now of the uh, this part of the podcast. And this is the Jonathan Fredugwa best eleven of the year in the Swedish Allsvenskan, and I'm excited to hear about these players. You've gone with a four four two as well, just like I did. We're going to go through the team bit by bit, starting in between the sticks. Who is your goalkeeper?
1: Yeah, I've gone for Oscar Lina uh, of AIK and Goal, uh, the young keeper. And if people remember the season before, he was obviously implicated in in a match-fixing scandal. And he, I think he was quite affected by that mentally. I don't think he, you know, his name was clear. I don't think he was anything part of it, to be honest. But um, that was one of the reasons that his name kind of came about in the season before that. But this season, he's really, I think, come come into his own. Um he actually missed nine games of the season with injury, but still kept thirteen clean sheets, which which really sums it up. Um I think there's an honourable mention for North Shopping's keeper Isaac Petterson, who could easily have been named here, um, who's also had a very, very good campaign. But I just think Oscar Lina deserves it. He's made he made some key saves in certain games. Um and I felt that if you were looking at goalkeeper, then maybe the one with the most clean sheets has to really be, be praised, I think there. Um so I've gone for Lina.
0: Okay, back four, and it's no real surprise here that it's uh, well fairly dominated by uh, AIK as well.
1: Yeah, that's correct. And I couldn't really overlook um, two players, to be honest. I think Per Carlsen uh, deserves to be in the, in the team of the season. Uh, he's led from the back. He's a bit more of an experienced head, uh, 33 years old, obviously. This is his second league title now. Um, and I felt that, you know, his performance is over the campaign. Uh, were deserving of uh, a place in in the uh, team of the season. Uh, the other player I went for from Aik was Alexander Milosevic, who uh, came in, uh, was signed, and, and, and did very very well. Uh, I think he deserves this place as well. Uh, performed it, the two of them performed very well together. Uh, Carlson, I don't think missed a single game in the entire season. Um, sometimes acted as captain as well. And I just felt that, yeah, you know, obviously when you're conceding sort of point, what is it, point five five goals per game, pretty much, uh, you've got to look at your, your defenders there uh, for their place in in such a success. And, yeah. then, and then I've gone for, um, as the other remaining two defenders, I've gone for Bjorn Polson, Ahambi, who I've mentioned many times on this podcast this season. I think he's been fantastic. Um, and I think he, he can go into bigger things. To be honest, I think he's he's got a future. Maybe there's been rumours he might move maybe to Denmark, which is arguably a slightly bigger league. Um, but yeah, I've got gone for him at Hammerby and I've also gone for Andreas Johansson of Shopping, the the veteran. Um, he also had a fantastic campaign. He's obviously getting on in years, but his solidity, his leadership qualities, I think you can't overlook Norrkoping as well. Their impact. It's hard to pull It's hard to pick one player really because they were such a a team, if that makes sense, they were such a team unit, but uh, I've gone for the man, uh, Johansson.
0: Yeah, I was just going to mention, actually, that, you, you know, he's the actually only player from North Shipping in your team of the year, but it's, it's difficult, isn't it, when when a side is so good collectively, to, you know, individuals don't always stand out, but as a team unit, superb. Uh, midfield, uh, now you've got a real licorice all sorts of uh, players and teams. Um, Across this midfield. uh, Take us through
1: it, John. Yeah, I've gone for. I mean, some of the choices might not necessarily um, stand out in terms of maybe their impact over the campaign, but I feel that if you're looking at the pure best uh, players in terms of maybe potential to go on, as well as that, if you factor, I think, factoring that in and factoring maybe AA's in as well. So I've gone for Hossam Aish of Ostersons. He had 10 assists over the campaign, which is more assists than anybody. Um, he really came into his own this season, I think. I think especially um, linking up with Saman Godos, but also when Godos left Ostersund, and he continued to have an impact, a positive impact. I really liked him in 1v1 situations on the wing. He, you know, he always seemed to stand his man up. Um, good at getting crosses in, good at dribbling. And you can't overlook that sort of assist record really over the, over the campaign. So I've gone for him as a one wide man. Uh, the centre midfielders, I think, are fairly self explanatory. I think most people um, have selected these two players. So I've gone for Christopher Olsen of AIK, who's been a fantastic uh, talent, really, and has worked his way back into the Sweden uh, national team, in fact, and, and thinking there from Jan Andersen. Uh, and I've also picked David Batanero of Gif Sundsvall, who I think has been a joy to watch over the season. Um, you know, some people have compared him to a kind of a, an Iniesta or a Javi type. Uh, midfielder, deep line midfielder of Sundsvall. Uh, we've talked about them quite a few times on this podcast, and I'm sure we'll discuss them again shortly. But um, their kind of fluid style, you know, their their, their sort of ticky tacker play to a certain extent. Batenero just holding up a uh, play there. He also chipped in with a few goals, and his um, you know, his left foot. Just some of the passes he played over the season were just were just magical. Um, and then I've gone for this one is a bit of an outlier, I think, and this is maybe where some might disagree with me, but I've gone for Romengo uh, of Malmö. I think it's unfair maybe to not have a Malmo player in there. I think Romain was a fantastic signing for them. Um, obviously, he did very well at Giftson's so final in the first part of the season and got his move. and it's only improved, really, since he's gone to um, to Malmo, in my opinion. And I think he'll only get better, actually. I think he will go on to maybe leave the league as well if he continues his development. Uh, one goal that really stands out for me was his goal against IFK Gothenburg, where it summed up what he has become as a player, the American. He just... 25 yards out, pulled the ball onto his uh, right foot and just belted, belted it, sort of curled it top corner. Just a brilliant goal. Um, and it says a lot of what he was about, his his dribbling, his his um, his um dynamism in attack, uh, his creativity and his ability and eye for a goal. So I've gone for the main goal there. When there's a few people who might have, could feel a bit unlucky. I think maybe Ina Kofi, I do is one from AIK, can feel a bit unlucky not to be in the team of the season. Uh, maybe one or two others, but um, yeah, that's my that's my four.
0: Now, Strikers, uh, if you look at the top scoring list this season, two names stand out above the others. You have been known historically to spring a surprise on us, John. Um, but in this instance, you uh, aren't going to, are
1: you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no alarms and no surprises, as the uh, Radiohead song famously says. And uh, I've gone for the obvious choices, and I think it's fairly clear why the two top scorers in the league. I've gone for Paulinho of Beko Hakan. 20 goals. Uh, the Brazilian man. Back to his best this season. <clears throat> it has been absolutely fantastic. And I've also gone for Linus Hellenius of Gif Sundsvall, who I really enjoyed watching this season. I couldn't. There's no way I could have left him out, even if I wanted to. He was You often um,
0: talked about him, didn't you? You really love this guy.
1: Yeah, and it's funny, he's just signed a five-year contract, which for a 29-year-old is sort of, um, you're laughing in a way, uh, for some players looking security as they get older uh, in their years in in leagues around the world. Being awarded a five-year contract says a lot, really. Um, The thing with Hellenius is that I thought this year he really showed a massive progression in terms of what he can do. So he's traditionally sort of more of a a target man type player, maybe. Uh, He brings others into play. He's good in the air. He wins the ball, that kind of thing. But this year he showed different elements to his game, I thought. You know, he was... I think his technical play improved. I think, um, you know, he was back to goal, he was a lot better linking linking men. Um, he also showed, a, you know, <clears throat> a propensity to score some really good goals, actually. Um, so he offered a threat in all areas, you know, as a target man, he offered a threat as a pure striker. Some of the strikes were really, really impressive. Uh, and also as a leader for the for that gift team, I think he, it would have been a massive blow to lose him, actually. He was a major part of the reason that they did so well this season. Um, and Paulinho, self-explanatory, the Brazilian, was was fantastic. He's now, Beko Hacken's, I think, all-time top scorer, which sums it up, really. I think he's got 68 goals now, maybe, around that mark. Um, <clears throat> a club legend.
0: Hacken were actually the leading scoring team in the uh, whole league. So uh, they were obviously indebted to Paulinho up front.
1: Um, so that's your team of the year, four four two. 4 um, It's just on Paulinho there. <clears throat> one of the other reasons for having Palino and Helenius. you mentioned his uh how on the scoring rate palelino chipped in with thirty four percent of their goal and and helenius 38 percent of their goals for the so you know you're looking at massive numbers in terms of their contribution for their teams so it was hard to overlook yeah uh,
0: yeah I mean just obvious really and they've both had great years and I have to say well done to them um the four4 two uh, team of the year go through it one last time here Oscar Linner in goal. Alexander Milosevic, uh, Bjorn Paulson, Per Carlson, Andreas Johansson, the veteran, Awesome Aish, Christopher Olsen, David David Batanero, uh, Roman Gal, Linus Pelinius and Paulinho. Sorry, sometimes I say David as in the French way. I, I watch so many French players that. I, start, I actually call English people called David, David sometimes. John, it's-
1: thinking of Ginola, are you or, or David Bellia?
0: <laughs> I think David Ginola and you know David Veer. <laughs> I kind of have David on the brain. So, right, um, okay. So that's your um, uh, best eleven of the year. You you you're a massive fan of youth players. So we're also going to talk about some of the best young players that caught your eye this year. Um, let's go through them.
1: Yeah, and I just, I mean, firstly, just wanted to sort of um, give a hat to, to a couple of players who didn't make my team of the season, who easily could have, uh, as you did. Um, I think Muammar Tankovic um, at Hammerby. I think Marcus Rosenborg, although he's quite, probably one of the most hated players in the league from non-Malmo fans. Uh, but I think, you know, he chipped in with a lot of goals. Um, Chilo and Hamad as well. I think Henrik Goitem deserves massive praise. Uh, he was a real leader for ARK as well as a, a player who chipped in with. Um, his fair share of goals up front there uh, for AIK, uh, obviously scoring 12 goals. Nefo Borgs, I think, did well and obviously got his move to, to Belgium. Uh, forward Bacirou, and I wanted to just give him a hat tip as well to a player who probably would have been in my team of the season had he stayed for the entire campaign, and that was Arna Sigurdsson uh, of Nur Shopping. Now, he has since gone to the CSKA Moscow and actually uh, scored against Real Madrid, which sums up the uh, progression of this player. A real, real talent. Uh, I saw him play. I think against Roma. I think it was in the Champions League, and he he showed it. he's He has really developed since leaving. No shopping, uh, and he's a real talent. So it's a shame he left the league. But to be honest, he was um, way too good. I, I know for a fact that there was a uh, a Premier League club with very fair interest in him, um, but was priced out of it in terms of the, the value of his value. But um, there was a you know a lot of interest in CSKA in Moscow. Paid the money, but uh, he's one who would have been in there. Uh, in terms of my young players, uh, I want to give a, a shout out to Muin which, as I mentioned. Now, some people might remember him because he actually played for Fulham. Uh, some English listeners might remember him. He's He's gone away and he's not quite worked out for him in other clubs. It didn't happen for him at Fulham. Um, he went to AZ Alkmaar, I think, and then he's moved around a bit, but he's come back to Hammerby now and really found his form. I saw an interesting quote saying that one of the reasons he's doing so well this season is Hammerby's fitness trainer has restricted the number of kebabs he's allowed to eat so um <laughs> that tells you a little bit about maybe his diets before joining hammerby uh he said i'd still do enjoy a kebab but uh i'm not allowed to have as many as i did before now but you know every time every now and then i'm allowed a treat uh he recently said so um he's cut out the kebabs and it's, it's paid off
0: wow you can always have some vegan kebabs there with the next thing out there, weren't they? Um. <laughs> That's the draw, yeah.
1: The other the other players I wanted to mention in terms of um, young players or maybe newcomers of the year to the league, I uh, just wanted to give a, a hat tip to someone who actually, Steve, you've got to give me some credit here. Uh, Jack Lane, I called out in our season preview pod as a player to watch out for. He was in my 10 to watch uh, as a 16-year-old, and he has since come into Bromham Poikin's team and been uh, nominated for young player of the season in, in the offence scan. Uh, And I think he scored five goals or four goals as well. And although they haven't quite managed to uh, survive, he was a key man for them. And, you know, at 16, that's really impressive.
0: Yeah, he... um, Yeah, I remember that that 10 players to watch. I can't remember your other 10 exactly, but um, I'll look through mine in a minute, actually, as well, and see how they ended up getting on. But uh, let's talk about... um, some managers. Uh, the I mean, there's obviously an obvious candidate, but who would you say are the, the the coaches that stood out for you this year that need to be mentioned?
1: Yeah, it's hard to look past. Um, I think Aik manager Ricard Norling, to be honest, as the manager of the season. Uh, if you look at it now, he's become a bit of a, a legendary figure, really, for, for for 98 when they won the title, and he's now won the league himself outright as the as the first team coach. So. Really fantastic achievement from him, obviously delivering AIK's first title in, in 10 years. It's quite interesting, actually, because he nearly left um, AIK about a year ago last season. Colorado Rapids were heavily linked with um, hiring him as their new technical coach. Uh, I think they were looking for a Swedish manager at the time, and Norling was heavily tipped to go there. It didn't happen in the end, and uh, AIK fans will be really happy about that. When he was there last season, I think one of the problems from AIK, they had a propensity to sort of um, play well and they were quite solid, but they couldn't score enough goals. He's gone in there now and he's he added the firepower. And I think also um, certain player, um, people in their backroom team also need praise in terms of their their, their scouting and recruitment because they brought in some, some um, important players, the likes of Stefanelli, who was uh, important for certain periods of the season. They Yunusi, see you know, players like that. And yeah, they just they sorted out that sort of defensive uh, sorry, of the attacking issues, um, and scored over 50 goals, obviously, and uh, and won the title. So yeah, you can't really look past uh, gnarling. The other player, the other manager, sorry, I wanted to mention is obviously I'm gonna hammer on with uh, Sun's foul, and that's Joel Siedegren. I think he did really well in terms of their style of play. I know he had a, a Spanish coach, I think, was an assistant manager or one of one of the technical team, anyway. Um, they were really, really exciting to watch. And I think they implemented a, a brand of football that you've rarely seen to win very successfully. Uh, and I think they need praise for that. Yeah, and actually, Steve, while we're on the subject of uh, Gif I, I thought it was really interesting uh, to, to talk about something I wanted to touch on, which is the, um, there was a comparison done, an analysis uh, of teams in Ausfenskern pl- well, in terms of playing on grass versus playing on artificial surfaces and the difference in points per game uh, between the two. And I think it made really interesting reading because if GIF Sundsvall had played only on grass this season, they would have finished the league in second place. So for a technical side, that, that says maybe tells you a little bit of insight there in terms of their abilities. AIK would still have won the league, uh, but we'd have had Malmo third in terms of points per game. And the biggest drop really would have been Hacken. obviously, I think partly because they play on play on artificial surfaces, but they would have been in 11th. Um, and actually, if the league was played only on artificial surfaces this season, Noor Shopping would have been champions. AIK would have been fourth in the table. And EFK jotterberg would have been relegated. They would have been in the bottom three of the league. Uh, when you consider the fact that they actually play on an artificial surface, um, Conzgras, that is really, I found that really interesting as well. And Gibson's were about eighth. So they're second in Fence Svenskan for games played on grass but only eighth in the table for games uh, played on uh, artificial surfaces so yeah that that was just a little um, insight there into the sort of uh, you know the league has a bit of a split between teams that don't play on grass and teams that do and yeah that, I thought that was quite interesting there in terms of how teams maybe fare on those different surfaces mm.
0: That's very interesting I've sometimes looked into this before in Norway actually um, and also what time of the year the games are played uh, as well because uh, in terms of the grass surface and also the artificial surface, actually, it can be a lot of variation um, in terms of the weather. So very uh, interesting statistics there, John.
1: Yeah, exactly. So um, any uh, North fans who want to claim themselves as the uh, artificial surface champions, they're welcome to do so, I suppose. And Hammerby would have been second, by the way, Hacken third, and Aik would have been fourth. And I also think Hammerby's manager uh, should take some credit for the start to the season, but unfortunately, they didn't quite see it out so it's hard to really have him as a manager of the season uh and and then also uve rosler uh, did very well in the period he, he had i think there will be a team to watch next season that i think they will challenge for the title again they'll be back and if if uh, rosler keeps that sort of form they had they're going to be dangerous to to stop they're going to be hard to stop next season if, if he continues
0: yes um some managers there that have done very well this year let's just talk about some teams that perhaps didn't do as well as expected and And also we're going to have a quick mention of the relegation uh, battle because there was some absolute dross, wasn't it, down at the bottom of the table. But uh, I've got to talk about IFK uh, Jotterburg here, John, because they were just nowhere near expectations, were they? What went wrong there?
1: Uh, Well, they had big problems behind the scenes, IFK Jotterburg, to be honest. Um, It's something that I actually touched upon. We touched upon last season a couple of times and i, and I wanted to talk about it, but we never quite got around to it but yeah they their their biggest problem was off the field i think really um they haven't quite created their identity uh in terms of where they want to be where they want to go what they want to do which they've recently done i think they've announced new goals and a new mission uh, for the coming seasons um they've really seemed to have sat down and sort of uh, analyzed where they've gone wrong over, over the years because they haven't done it well enough over the last few seasons i i thought at one point they might get relegated they were that bad uh there was a key game they played where they managed to get a win uh against a, a fellow relegation contender which which got them out of trouble but uh that aside they they, they weren't looking good mats gren uh heavily criticized uh, chief chief um i think it was either sporting director type uh, man figure at the club he was not popular not popular with the players not popular with fans not probably popular behind the scenes i don't think either if you if you look at it because he was he was sacked um And he seemed to get a lot of things wrong, I think, really. If you look at their recruitment over the years, it's it's not been really good enough. Um, They seem to sort of sign players who leave quite quickly, maybe. Uh, I think Abdul Razak is a perfect sort of embodiment of that, to be honest. Uh, Although he's a sort of a nice lad, the ex Manchester City man, just never worked out for him. And there was always a sort of feeling of like, why is he even here, to be honest? And and that happened to quite a few players. I think on the positive side, their season ended with a real sort of um, positive note with the uh emergence of a young player that i've mentioned a couple of times benjamin Nygren, who i think is going to be a real name to remember in the years to come uh the 17 i think he is a 17 year old uh striker who scored two goals on the last day of the season uh emerged from the club's academy and he is a real talent um and he's going to be one to watch in the years to come i think they will look to build actually the team around him in years in future years they're going to go for a sort of academy focus. They've announced they will focus a lot more on their academy players coming through and he will be a focal part of that. So, although it's been a disappointing year for EF Core, there is maybe one or two sort of things to hang on to for the future. And I think also uh, the signing of Kiri Ishvili um, is, is, is another one who next season, he could really emerge as a player to watch the attacking attacking midfielder.
0: Yeah, I mean, I presume they were the absolute, uh, the, the most underachieving team in your eyes this year. Um I don't know if anyone else, any other team needs to be mentioned for that or not, but down at the bottom of the table, three very, very poor teams that that came up and they just couldn't hack it at uh, Alsvenskan level. Trelleborg, Dalkard, Brahma Poikina, they've all ended up being relegated now. It wasn't really great viewing down at the bottom
1: of the table, was it? It wasn't great viewing at the bottom of the table, no. I think Trelleborg were comfortably the worst team in the league. I think they picked up 15 points from 30 games, which says everything, really um just
0: four goals conceded
1: yeah and, and they scored less than one a game as well they were they were terrible to be honest um didn't happen for them uh Kurd as well they didn't really offer too much uh including one of the worst well the lowest uh, all can attendance of all time i think it was um i think it was around about 100 hundred hundred fans maybe roughly 200 fans uh so yeah they weren't really although they've got the support of the Dal- the kurdish community and and their history is, obviously, their backstory is really fascinating. Uh, ultimately, on the pitch, they they weren't good enough, especially when they lost Buyatore, who went to um, Belgium. I think from then on, it was like uh, inevitable that they, they were going to struggle. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, he, it was a surprise to see and lose to, to AFC Eskilstuna in the playoff. Um, that was a big surprise to me, really, especially when they got so complacent and lost it late on. Um And I think a lot of people in Sweden generally are probably not happy (laughs) to see uh, AFC Esselstina back uh, next season, but that's the way it is and that's the way it's going to be. So, yeah, those are the three that went down.
0: Yeah. And coming up, Helsingborg are back in the league, obviously, as well. And uh, it's hopefully the teams coming up this time can actually give a better account of themselves. But uh, all right, we'll towards the end of
1: this. Falkenberg as well.
0: Yeah, Falkenberg's. Uh, the final team there that I forgot to mention. Um, but yeah, towards the end of this wrap now, I mean, anything else finally that really stood out for the, this year that you feel that needs to be mentioned, John?
1: Uh, no, I mean, it's been an interesting season. mean, There's been some teams who have not done well, I think. Uh, elsborough I talked about, I think their pre-season predictions from a lot of the media, they were predicted to finish sick, I think, uh, by the media, which I, I said at the time on the season preview podcast, they won't finish that uh, high. Uh, and they didn't. They were they were poor, and I think they've been poor for a while now. And I think they need a real um, look at themselves for the for the sort of next season. I think they'll they'll be analysing where things went wrong. Um, Oster Suns, of course, with the new management structure, they were good to watch uh, with Graham Potter, but then Potter obviously left Swansea. That was a key sort of um, storyline of the season, and obviously the, the, the off the field issues with Daniel Kinberg, and then maybe the embezzlement of funds and that kind of thing, the accusations there, the allegations. Um, which was quite, you know, a big story. Uh, and then obviously your garden recently, um Oscar and Malcolm Mitchell's left now the club uh, at the end of the season. He's not staying. So, you know, they've not had the best of seasons although they won the cup, but uh, I think they could have maybe expected to do slightly better. Um, but yeah, all in all, it's, you know, I've enjoyed the season. I thought the title race was, was good. I thought the, the relegation battle was, was good. Uh, I thought there were some teams in the middle of the table as well who who played well, maybe Oskar's Maybe upper middle table, but Ostersunds file offered something. They weren't just they didn't, weren't there to make up the numbers. I thought Kalmar at times were, were were decent, and they had their own storylines going on off the field. Um, Corps had their own storylines. So really, there wasn't really many too many teams where you look at and go boring and nothing to say, talk about. To be honest, um, maybe only Yltsborg were a bit boring.
0: I've actually dug out the uh, those ten players that you to watch from the. Uh pre-season podcast and you know what I've got to give you a bit of credit here you've uh, there's some really interesting names on here Tino Cadawery for one Jack Lana we talked about and a few others as well you must be pretty proud of the uh this list that, uh, of players that you were uh, you know 10 players to watch have done quite well for themselves
1: yeah I'm pretty happy with um my choices I think I I, thought I did, did all right actually um Kofi Alu was in there although that's quite a predictable one he's won the title fanberg has gone on to Bologna now. I think he's playing in Syria, so that was a, a, a good pick, I think. Inga Brixen it didn't work out for. He was he was pretty poor. Didn't work out for me of course. Really, um, Kadariri, I'm happy with, and I think another player who hasn't been mentioned, but I think maybe next season could be his arguably final year in the offense Again, it's Dalihoe Irindust, who we talked about, uh, we talked about before on this podcast, even last season. He had a, he's had a solid progression. He's continued to sort of do well. And I think he will be one to to watch in the years to come.
0: Just looking at my ten players now and uh well a lot of them got injured. Samuel Ading Bendro missed twenty two games. Runar Espio missed twelve. Although well, I've had a few that have done well. Brad Weitz now moved to Jorgarten. Uh jill Jurtsen, Gilbert Coombson did right Hugo Vettelson. Not too bad. We 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 generally Tend to pick out the the talented players, don't we, John? So um, you know it was a pleasure doing the podcast with you in 2018. Um, we now move on to our third season of podcasting in Scandinavia, which will be starting again in a few weeks' time. Uh, but yeah, absolute uh, we enjoyed it. I'd like to have done a few more episodes, but that always isn't always possible. But um, it was good stuff, mate.
1: Yeah, as always, it's been a good season. By the way, I I didn't mention Jens Gustafsson of uh, No Shopping as a manager of the the season, which is uh, quite harsh, actually. He he was very, very good, and obviously they finished second, so um, a bit harsh of me not to give him a mention there. Uh, But, yeah, overall, uh, it's been a really good season. I've enjoyed it. Um, Thanks to all the listeners. Obviously, we've had a progression this year. It's good to keep the pod going for another season. I think overall feedback's been quite good. Uh, We really rely on your support and, obviously, your... um, your feedback in terms of what we could do better maybe, and what we could be doing more of or less of. So don't forget to follow us and, you know, give us your, your tips, your feedback uh, at Nordic Pod or like us on Facebook. Uh, we really appreciate everything you, you know, everything you do for us in terms of giving us um, retweets, likes, shares, because that keeps the podcast going. So uh, give yourselves a little uh, tip of the hat as well and um, have a bit of snus and come back next season.
0: Yeah, thank you very much, mate. And uh, yeah, we will be back. Uh, we're definitely going to be back to preview the uh, Malmo-Chelsea uh, Europa League tie uh, in a few weeks. Maybe even we might come back before then. I can't make any promises about that. But, uh, yeah, as we uh, look forward to season three of the Nordic Football Podcast, um, I'll say uh, take care, everyone. Thanks very much for listening to us. And we'll see you all again um, for our 2019. The goodbye. Goodbye,
1: everyone.